Hey guys, brand new podcast, and this is a live podcast we did. I did a few, um, maybe a couple months ago, down at the Gundo Comedy Fest. My buddy Dave Williamson puts on the Gundo Comedy Fest every year. Every year I go down and do a live podcast, and this is the first time I've ever been able to, no, I take that back. The first one I ever released, and it was with Urkel. I don't know if you guys remember that. You got, you're a legit fan if you remember the Urkel podcast. Urkel's Jaleel White. Yeah. Yeah, but his name's Urkel. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, his character he played was Urkel. This podcast is an interesting one. I think I had a shoot that day. I ended up getting pretty drunk on this podcast. Shit, Sandy is calling back. Hey, what's up? Hold on. What's up? Pizza? pizza? Okay, we want pizza, yeah. Okay, I'm ordering pizzas. Okay, what time are you guys coming over? You want us to come over to you? Or are you going to come over there? I think you just said the same thing. No, come over here. Okay, we'll grab pizzas and come down to you. Okay, is Leanne okay with that? Yeah, Leanne's fine with it. Leanne, are you okay with okay. it? Yeah. Okay, all right, bye. Um, sorry, guys. I was taking a phone call in the middle of that. Um, we're trying to plan out a party. I don't know if you can tell that we've... If you're a real sleuth, you can realize that we did both these reads within the same day mm-hmm. you're a real sleuth from last week's podcast to this week's podcast anyway um this was a live podcast we did it was me ryan dalton dave williamson and and aaron von schoenfeld uh is the booker for all of the improv she's one of the most powerful women in comedy without a doubt she is definitely responsible for changing my career i i will probably mention that on this podcast i don't remember what i said on this podcast because i was pretty drunk but we gave aaron a mic and we started talking to her about comics and booking and clubs and the past of the clubs and what it's like working with certain it was Trust me from when I say that every comic in America will want to listen to this podcast because we're talking to Aaron and Aaron is Aaron can give you a fucking 30 dates tomorrow, which is a big deal. She did it for me once and it changed my life. I'm forever grateful for this woman to this woman. You'll never hear me a bad word come out of my mouth with Aaron ever, ever cut to like a year. No, I don't fucking need her <laughs> anyway. Uh, so it's a great podcast. I think you're gonna love it. Um, I am going to be in Houston the first weekend in August. Uh, the second weekend in August, I am doing my triathlon in uh, whatever, wherever it is. Third weekend, in the 17th, 16th through 18th, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. The 23rd to 25th, I am in the Jewel in Aaron's Crown, the Irvine Improv. Uh, Oxnard, the weekend after that, 31st, 1st, and 2nd. Kansas City. Comedy Club on State in Madison, Wisconsin in September. San Jose Improv. Sober October starts. And we got two dates in Sober October. Omaha Funny Bone and Phoenix for the All Things Comedy Comedy Festival. Bethlehem, uh, Pennsylvania in November. I think it's in November. The Borgata in November. I think they're both in November. Come on, see me live. I got new uh, new hour. And uh, my special airs in August. In August, I, th- I mean, I guess I could tell everyone when, right? I don't know. Uh, well, in August, I'll I'll pop it on you. I don't want to over promote it. Today's podcast is brought to you by Lisa Mattresses. A quality night's sleep helps you recover from the distractions of a faster, preventative burnout. 
better making decisions. I'm really bad at reading copy. I'll tell you this. We got a Lisa mattress and it's in George's room. And George's room is the best fucking room to sleep in because it's cozied up to the bushes. It's dark as shit. It's cold as shit. And that mattress fucking rocks. It's the best mattress in the house. And we all find ourselves going into George's room to nap. She's also got the Lisa pillow. They've got three different uh, layers. They've got the breathability up top, the form core layer in the center and then another one here's a plate <laughs> I, I mean they it's all a copy they took out of it but i so funny now that i know that i can feel it when i lay on it and i want to fucking we I keep saying i want to leave some mattress but we're going out of town so i don't want to like yeah. not i don't want to get it before i want to get it when i get here right so we've got a lisa mattress coming to us you'll hear about it when i sleep on that because my back is fucked lisa lisa's mission is to provide a better night's sleep for everybody this is pretty fucking badass they do a one to ten program that they donate one mattress for every ten they sell, and that they've donated over twenty six thousand mattresses and counting. Lisa strives to leave the world a better place, and they found it. I love when companies do this because you know that they don't have to. No, like it's not like there's there's no like like Tom's is the first company I ever heard that did it. Like you buy a shoe, we'll donate it to a kid. Right. By the way, pretty stylish shoes to donate to a kid in the middle of i don't think they don't donate the exact same shoes that they oh they don't donate the exact same pair that i bought no they go who's size 13 no i want to get a pair of toms yeah yeah i haven't had toms in a while do i still have toms yeah yeah i'm gonna wear toms tonight okay anyways (laughs) lisa lisa mattresses strives to leave the world (laughs) a better way than they found it and they do this by day. It just doesn't stop with the mattress donations. Together with the Arbor Day Foundation, Lisa plants one tree for every mattress they sell and are committed to planting one million trees by 2025, which would be good business for them. That's amazing. Great for this fucking world because yeah. we'd have a million trees and they'd be rolling in cash. Yeah. I bet they beat it. I bet so. Um, but yeah, Lisa Mattress is, is, let me see if I can read their, they develop a mat. Here's what, here's the thing I was trying to say earlier on the fly, but it didn't come out right. They have 30 years of experience, hundred hours of testing, scientific testing to develop the perfect mattress for all body types, shapes, and sleeping styles. Mm. I've been trying to transition to a face sleeper, a face sleeper, like sleep on my belly. Oh, okay. But it's hard. It's not natural. No, it's not good for your neck. Isla's a belly sleeper. Don't miss these savings right now. Get $160 off a Lisa mattress at lisa.com slash BurtCast. That's lisa.com slash BurtCast. $160 off a Lisa mattress. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash BurtCast. Lisa. Better way to don't, sleep? Don't sleep. Don't, don't sleep? Yeah, I get the savings, right? A better way to sleep? A better way to sleep? No, just Lisa. Lisa. Good night. Le- the, their logline should be Lisa. Planting trees, donating mattresses, and putting you to sleep, mm. baby. That's maybe not that a good Lisa. Maybe not, no. I- I'd let them find their own. Lisa. Not spelled the way you think it's going to be spelled. <laughs> L-E-E-S-A-A L-E-E-S-A dot com slash BurtCast get $160 off this podcast is also brought to you by Blue Apron do you know why I always do that? why? Blue what is that? Green Acres 
I always Green go Blue Acres. Yeah, really? it's like, yeah, because Blue Apron, I feel like it's it's like fucking good food. Mm. You know, okay. Blue Apron. Okay. I want to do I want to do a commercial for Blue Apron where I go. Blue Apron is the way to eat like that. No, no, no. I, it's uh, you guys out front, right? And then I stick my head out and they go, Hey, hey, family. We've got Blue Apron on the table. Mm-hmm. And then and then all the kids do the copy points. Dad, what's Blue Apron? And I go, are you serious? It's only the number one farm fresh ingredient step-by-step recipe delivery system to your door. And then they're like, why, why, why do they do that? And I go, what's well, their mission? To make incredible home-cooked meals accessible to everybody. And then they're like, really? How do they go about that? Why am I doing the voice? I'm doing my voice. Look, we love Blue Apron. It's fucking changed our family. It really has. We ate Blue Apron last night. That was a leftover. And we just jazzed up with a little mozzarella cheese. Yeah. And it was fuck. I got to be honest with you, it was better the day after. Pastas that are always well, better the day after. Pasta's always better. Why don't they have a pasta dish where you make it and then they, you don't touch it for a day? I don't know. It's called Dale. Are you just knock on the door, Priscilla? Um, Blue Apron offers three plans. They've got the two-person meal plan, serving two people, choosing from eight new recipes per week with your choice of receiving either two or three recipes any week. The family meal plan, that's what we're on. Oh, we should have made those bot mees. Bon me? Bon me's. Meals that serve four people choosing for four new recipes per week with the choice of receiving two, three, or four recipes any week or the wine meal plan. Six bottles of wine from around renowned winemakers delivered monthly. We love Blue Apron mostly because I say these are talking points, but these are true. It is inexpensive for a family. Less than $10 per person. It never takes more than $45, uh, 45 minutes to make a meal. Me and Leanne make them at this. Sometimes we make two meals at once. Yeah. We'll make two meals at once if we're backed up. And then we have tomorrow's meal or lunch for us tomorrow. But it never takes more than 45 minutes. And there always is a vast variety of meals um, that they give you. I, we love Blue Apron. They say that a family that sleeps together what the fuck Isla's fucking with me and now I said a family that sleeps together a family that eats together sleeps together not not fucking sleeps together a family that eats together lives together they live together of course they live together a family that you know what the fuck I'm saying here's my point it's delicious it's fucking phenomenal and uh, if they ever choose to not sponsor this podcast I will still be ordering Blue Apron we're actually thinking of upping it to five meals a week four meals a four week. meals a week yeah because we have we just enjoy those meals so much better yeah and it's nice to not have to think about what you're eating here are the meals coming up this month in July great for grilling honey chipotle glazed chicken with poblano and lime rice Christy T I love I'm, I love that she's a part of this I want them to do a Burt meal <laughs> yeah but it, what, what they do is they give you they give you um they give you ingredients for six people, but you're only feeding four people. <laughs> Christy Teigen's chipotle lime chicken fajitas with sauteed mushroom and sweet peppers. We've got the customer favorite sweet chili beef with vegetable stir fry with garlic rice and barbecue vegetable flatbread with swatch cheese. Sounds great. Swash points. No reduction. Here's what you can do right now. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free at blueapron.com slash Burtcast. That's blueapron.com slash Burtcast. Did you hear what the fuck I said? Get your first three meals for free at blueapron.com slash Burtcast. If you haven't taken us up on this, 
Fucking now's the time. Blueapron.com slash BurtCast. Blue Apron. A better way to cook, a better way to live, a better way to... Sleep. Eat. I love my sponsors. Yeah. I really do love my sponsors. I know. They're all... I live and die by my sponsors. Like Like, I enjoy wearing my sponsors, all of them. I enjoy eating my spot. That's okay. Let's stop with this, Bert. <laughs> Thank you to all my sponsors. Um, today's podcast is a great one. It's a really great one. Uh, you're going to love it. It's fun. It's lighthearted. We were drinking. I think we smoked pot. I'm not sure. Aaron did not. She wasn't even drinking. But uh, it was fun. It was live. It was loose. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Today's podcast, Dave Williamson, Ryan Dalton, and Aaron Von Schoenfeld. Our Father who art in heaven, how will I be? This is how I start my podcast. How will I be thy name? Oh my God. Thy kingdom come. Thy. If dick smelled like barbecue, I probably have bruised knees. <laughs> like if you got down there and he undid his fly and it was like, whoa, is that brisket? And he's like, no, it's my cock. I'd be like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I did that. I did a, a, a there was a, there's a, a woman. I, I won't, I won't say her name. Let's just call her Aaron. She put me on a thing called the Jameson comedy tour. She might be sitting in the audience. She put me on a thing called the Jamison Comedy Tour. It was a comedy. It was really, it was a ton of fucking money. It was first class flights. It was first class accommodations. And you got sponsored by Jamison. You got a box of Jamison at the beginning of every month for free. And you had got boxes of Jamison when you got to the club and they gave you Jamison. Your rule was you had to drink Jameson on stage and you had to drink Jameson after the show. Throw me in the fucking briar patch. (laughs) (laughs) And the very first show, they said, there is a little bit like you can't like try to keep your language like not too. My opening joke was, if Dick tasted like Jameson, I'd have bruised knees. And there was a conference call the next fucking morning. <laughs> and the Jameson people loved it. They're like, I like the branding. But uh, <laughs> shout out to the improv for showing up deep today. Uh, well, I guess no just, one clapped. Good call. Yeah. No one clapped. <laughs> this is uh, the Burtcast. My guest today. Do you guys want to introduce? Why don't Dave? Why don't you introduce us since this is your festival? All right, yeah, man. I'll have to do that formal stuff up front, and since we already started recording, I'll do it now. Guys, it's the fourth annual Gundo Comedy Festival. Woo! Every year yeah. I record a podcast here, and I've released one of them. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a few issues along the way, but it's fun regardless. Joy Taylor goes, "Hey, do you mind sending that to ESPN and letting them go through and give you notes?" And I was like. Sure. It's like, you know who edits that, right, Joey? It's me. <laughs> you think I'm going to get on the phone with your producer and go, yeah, yeah, I'll take out the the and that. She sounded sloppy. I think it was more about how sloppy we sounded than her. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't think it was her. We got into fucking, like, yeah. she was like, I'm not supposed to talk about that on air. And I was like, don't worry, it's a podcast. No one listens to him. Well, we always try to get, like, you know, we, we see we see there's some guests we can get and stuff like that. But honestly, I think for this setup, it's better for us just to bullshit. Because whenever we have guests, we seem to get in trouble when we're drinking IPAs at noon. At least we have some food for our stomachs this oh time. Oh, my God, this food looks so good. We'll get into that in a second. But welcome to the festival, everybody. Appreciate you being here. It's the fourth year. Bert supported it every single year. I truly yep. appreciate that. Uh, and El Segundo has supported it. 
So thank you guys for coming out. And uh, we got shows all week. And um, it's going to be a lot of fun, guys. So thanks so much. Appreciate you, El Segundo. Yes. Our guests today, obviously, Dave Williamson and the, and the beautiful Ryan Dalton. Good morning, everybody. How are you? From Cleveland. If he hasn't told you that twice already, then you don't know him. That's it. He, so, is, he has what they call civic pride. Uh, we don't have that here where we live. That's where you care about your city and you don't just automatically shit on it because you're not from there. Like, no one even laughs. They're like, I don't, I don't get why, nah. why would someone care about their city? Why would you care about Cleveland? I don't know. I just really like the people there. You know, they're, they're, you know I live in Hollywood now, and it's like, uh, it's a little different because uh, nobody really does anything for a living in Hollywood. They're all just on a journey or they're discovering, whereas, like, everybody is a real person there. And, and we all, our, our industry there, <laughs> our industry in Cleveland is bragging about how good of a deal you got on something. Like, I bought my house for two old VCRs. I'm very proud about that. <laughs> Wait, let's play a game. It's called, it's called Things You Say in L.A. versus Things You Say in Cleveland, okay? I'll start it. I'll say stuff that you would say in L.A., and then you say how you'd say it in Cleveland. Oh, my God, you're a nurse? Shut up. You, like, work at a hospital? You're not an actress? Get the fuck out. Okay, and I would say, what kind of benefits you get there? Is that, like, free health care? <laughs> Okay, ready? Yeah, of course, this, of course this is where you get your dick sucked. It's Boys Town. Uh, which way to Boys Town? <laughs> Wait, and you say it in Miami. Do you know Spanish? Uh, piqui, piquito. Um, you guys could be laughing a little bit more, just giving you a heads up. Uh, so, so, yes, and then Dave is from Miami, home of Cuban bread. I am. Miami versus home of Cuban bread is what you went with? Cuban bread also is Also Cubans, for the, that matter. But the bread is what I think of the oh, most man. when I think of Miami. I gained so much weight when I was working for my parents' company, and I started working mornings instead of, uh, you know, the car business, we have weird hours. So I started working mornings, so I'd stop at the Cuban cafe to get breakfast every morning, and they do this uh, uh, tostada, which is Cuban bread, saturated in butter, right? Like, yeah, like... And then you get a cafe con leche, which is basically milk <laughs> and sugar with a dab of coffee in it. And then you dip your tostada in the coffee. Cafe con leche. And by the time you get to the bottom, it's mostly butter. Mm. But delicious. There's this Cuban restaurant by my dad's office, and that's white privilege statement, uh, <laughs> that uh, we used to have his assistant go get... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> My, by my dad's office and you could get uh, like a Cuban breakfast sandwich it was uh, two eggs over easy jamon is it is that how you say uh, perfect nailed it jamon I think I said that the Jewish way American cheese Cuban bread with butter and it the thing about Cuban bread is it's 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 fluffy by the way, there's a Cuban restaurant right across the street. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah I saw that coming in. <laughs> I live a block away. I've eaten there a time or 3,000. <laughs> Is their bread good or do they use baguettes? Uh, no, they, it's pretty good there, man. I mean, it's not, it's not the greatest. Uh, coming from Miami, yeah. it's not here, but I still I eat there from time to time. I like it. Do you want me to tell you the key of Cuban bread? By the way, this is a guy who spends way too much time in a hotel room on the internet. <laughs> Have you ever gotten to a deep dive so bad you're like, you end up... So Dave and I were on the road... And I got into spearfishing. Not the actual activity, just watching it. Yeah. You didn't go spearfishing while we were in Utah? We were in Utah. That would be impressive. And we came back to the hotel with a grouper in Salt Lake City. 
I, I saw this I saw this documentary on Netflix, which by the way, I had a meeting at Netflix the other day. We were supposed to talk about my special and all I wanted to talk about was this documentary I saw. <laughs> As if they were like, do you want to meet Kimmy Werner? Like you can meet her, she's in the other room. She's a deep, she's a spear fisherman, fisherwoman. And she would dive down a hundred feet, chill at a hundred feet, yeah. wait, this is, I know, I'm, I know so much about spearfishing. When you get to like 15 feet, you become negatively buoyant and you start sinking and that's when it gets scary, according to Kimmy. So, <laughs> her dad used to always hang in 100 feet and watch her at 50 and then one day she took the dive down and he was like, oh shit. And so then she hangs at 100 feet, waits for big tuna, grouper, you name it, spears them and then swims up to the top with them and blood gushing out of the animal and then swims to her boat. Great white sharks live in Hawaii. I saw this and then I said to Dave, I was like, Dude, do you know anything about spearfishing? And Dave has videos of him doing it with his kids on his phone. Now I'm hooked, right? <laughs> now all I know, like I'm at a dinner party like a week ago and someone's like, uh, What's your hobby? I don't really have a hobby. It's, it's Watching spearfishing videos. No, no, no. I just told him I'm into hoghead groupers. I go about 15 feet down. I use the Hawaiian sling, but that's how we do it in the Bahamas. And I'm seeing how far I can You're sell. telling him my life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you and mean? It, it, well, yours and Miami Skin Diver on Instagram. You're, He's really fun to watch. Oh, that's a guy. That guy's yeah, awesome. Yeah, 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 Dude, that guy's so I, awesome. You Mr. Ripley'd me. Dude, dude and, and they were like, really? I go, yeah, my friend Kimmy Warner. Like, I started including these people in my life. That's podcasting for you. Once you get to know someone and they go, how do you know Kimmy Warner? I go, oh, she has this uh, lizard. This is true. She has a lizard that she uh, eats lunch and it shows up every day she eats lunch. So she puts the skin fish on the table, flies go to the skin fish, and the lizard eats the, the flies off the skin fish. And I am fucking fascinated with this chick. I mean, it, there is, I would never cheat on my wife. However... <laughs> At a hundred feet. <laughs> yeah. I know so much. It's a rule. And so my new obsession is triathlons. Oh my God. Does anyone want to talk about triathlons so, for 45 minutes? <laughs> so I, I've done two triathlons in my life and I'll probably never what? do one again. Hold the right? fucking phones. Yeah. I thought this was a go nowhere subject. No, no, I, they didn't go well. So I, <laughs> Walk me through them, soup to nuts. I want to know everything. <laughs> All right. So I did I did one uh, when I was much younger, so it was a lot easier just to be like, oh, I'm going to do a triathlon. And, uh, uh, by the way, I'm 45, and yeah. I just said last night, I'm going to do a triathlon. Yeah. <laughs> I got my ass handed to me at the Spartan race. Almost, like, of course, I, I'm, a, I'm a, a long-distance runner. I ran the LA Marathon, no training. <laughs> it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I know everyone talks about it. I still wear my pace bracelet on my wrist, but whatever. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, uh, so I was coaching water polo at the time, and one of the uh, person, uh, could this be a, any more of a wider conversation so far? <laughs> we got from triathlons to spearfishing to water polo. So, oh so, I, uh, so I was coaching uh, uh, you know, back then, and one of the kid's parents said, hey, I have a triathlon team, and one of our, our swimmer got, uh, you know, got sick. Do you want to do a triathlon this weekend? All I have to do is just a swim part. And I'm like, yeah, no problem, right? So I figured, how hard could it be? Go in the ocean in Miami, you swim down the coastline a little bit, and then you hand the baton to someone else, you know? Well, the scary part is, and I didn't know this at all, I learned on the fly, it was when they say go, and you're just with a big giant group of people, and you're on the ocean, it's terrifying. There's fucking knees and elbows everywhere. So I went into like 
survival mode finally and I just started like doing water pulling moves where I'm grabbing people by the waist and throwing them out of the way and I just I just grabbing their suits it. by the vagina and sliding yeah, to the yeah, side yeah. I've watched yeah. that I've yeah. watched those we, we've gone videos. down that hole before too yeah no pun intended it's, it's, we, called, uh, it's called water polo fails yeah water and polo man, suit fails yeah suit fails <laughs> yeah. and all girls do is like is like uh Wesleyan Academy. I'm trying to think of an all-girls co- college where there's a lot of lesbian shit goes on, but that is water polo. It's, it is basically if you are I can't name one. I can't an up-and-coming lesbian, that's where you want to hang out is water polo. So, so, uh, so I finally decided just to sprint out in front of everyone, and then I, I, got, I found this dude who was like obviously really good because he was out in the lead, and I just drafted him the whole time. I just paced. Yeah. I just paced right. I mean, I was literally touching his feet the whole time, and I did pretty good, so then I got cocky, right? Oh. Uh, so then my wife was getting into triathlons at the time, and I was supposed to go on the road. And my so gig- that one went okay. So it went, it went all right. I survived. I, I, the, the beginning was dicey, but you know. You probably learned a lot of the things you need to know about doing a triathlon. Like number one, you need your your rate of pace for your sw- swim to be quicker because in open water you need a quicker uh, swim pace. You also want to make sure that your mouth closes. Salt water can mess with your mouth. It can swell up your tongue. These are things I researched last night. Yeah. Keep going, Dave. <laughs> yeah. If you got a wetsuit, well, fantastic. You're a little extra buoyant. The salt water helps. Lake triathlons, you're gonna sink a little bit you want to be careful with that don't do it in a speedo but i'm gonna do it in a speedo keep going dave right. these are all the things i fucking googled high as fuck i got high in secret in my bedroom and then went out and we were supposed to do uh watch a movie together and i just ended up googling triathlons with the headsets on keep going dave all right so then my wife is doing a sprint triathlon and she's like training for it and stuff and uh my gig got canceled, and I go, I think I'm going to go do that with you. And she's like, you can't just come do a triathlon. And I'm like, that's nah, a sprint triathlon. How hard can it be, right? Uh, by the way, I, uh, Ari Shafir and Steve Renazizi both said the same thing yesterday. Yeah. They're like, sprint triathlons? I bet I could do that. Yeah. So that's where my brain's well, at. Well, we, we, get, we get ready for the swim. I'm all cocky and feeling good. Same thing. I sprint out in front of everybody so I don't get in that mob of people. I find a dude, whoever like the first guy was. I draft him most of the way. Uh, by the time the swim was over, I was fourth, not just in my age group or whatever. I was fourth. I had the fourth best overall time of anyone who did that triathlon that day, right? In the wow. swim. In the swim. <laughs> and then I got on the bike and I watched 296 people pass me. <laughs> There was a little a little kid passed me on the bike, right? And then when I was uh, and then I was I was getting passed by everyone, a dude with no arms passed me <laughs> on which, a bike. Which yeah, we hit a specialty bike. But granted, he he looked like he was like diesel. Like this guy is obviously a great athlete and everything. But I just felt like I should have had more of a lead on him after the swim at least. <laughs> well, Dave, what what you fell into is the common trap of training in triathlons. Yeah. Uh, what you want to do, you're going to spend 20% of your time in the water in a triathlon, so you don't want to focus on too much on the water. That You're going to get that. Uh, 50% of the triathlon is spent on a bike. That's where you want to spend a lot of your time. And you want a specialty bike, Dave. You don't want an average bike because, <laughs> see, you'll be compensating the muscles you'll be using in the running. It's going to be a higher seat, longer extension of legs, lower arms. they got triathlon bars. You're going to want it on the front of your bike, Dave. And then the run, well, that's just a straight-up 3K. Anyone's got that. I am a psycho. I am a fu- Fucking psycho. I do this with porn and then bring it into the bed with my wife. And she's like, what move are you doing? And I'm like, I saw uh, Owen Gray try it two weeks ago. At 100 feet deep. This guy, Owen Gray, is the best porn star. You're like, right. I just look at his tattoos. We can't talk about that? No, no, we okay. can't. But I, I want to get into this barbecue. I'm hungry. So, Brian, uh, you've, you've been try- sampling the burnt ends. What do you think so far? Oh, my God. This is, uh, is there, first of all, is there meat in this? 
<laughs> there is. Oh. Okay, well, I, there goes the diet. All right, uh, let's take a picture with Dustin real quick because he's got to take off. So, and Dustin, then, come on in yeah. real quick here. We got, a, we got another mic. Grab this mic for one second in your smoky hands. Um, talking to it real quick. Yeah. Okay. Testing. So, what do we have here? This, what, this is like a, a brontosaurus. So, you got a... You got, you got, you got a are we good? Yeah, yeah. You got a beef rib. You got uh, pork belly burn ends and pork ribs. Because that's all we were able to get ready in time for a 12 o'clock. What time did you start cooking this? Uh, we started around 5.30 in the morning. Oh, but, we you, have, we have, but we have brisket and pulled pork and a bunch of other stuff, but that's not going to be ready until like 4 o'clock. And so you do this in a, in a non-stick skillet? Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> a toaster oven. Don't you love when a stereotype follows through? Like when you see someone that looks like something and then they do the thing you thought they'd do and you roll up, eyes sweaty under here, a little red from your high blood pressure, smelling like smoke. And I'm like, please don't be an ice skater. Please don't be an ice skater. Definitely not an ice skater. God, cook, this looks... Cook, cook a lot of Q. Do you, oh, when you call it Q, you definitely cook a yeah. lot of Q. Yeah. You're, Every yeah. day. Bert's wow. going to be dropping that at a dinner party tomorrow. Like... What have you been into? Cooking Q, you know? Have you ever thought about opening up an Airbnb Q? I don't know. Hey, whoa, I've got gems like that coming out all day. Oh. All right, you want to take a picture with the barbecue? And then we're going to eat it. This is so good. It's I got something stuck in my front two teeth last night. And so they were separated all night. In the middle of the night, they were throbbing. Does that, does that happen to me? Or no, everyone? that happens to me. I do that. All right. Now, By the me- way, my, uh, my coach, that's right. I'll say that <laughs> one more time so you heard me correct. My coach is a guy named Zach Bitter. He's given me a, a diet to stay with and a training program to get my marathon time down one hour in six months. Well, part of this program is no alcohol. <laughs> no. I was like, no, Zach, I didn't need to pay you. I'm not paying him at all. But I was like, I didn't need to talk to you to know that if I didn't drink, I'd be more fit. <laughs> And so he, so now we've incorporated with Tito's and soda in the in the schedule. So he said, with Tito's and soda in my diet, I am allowed no greens, no car, no carbs whatsoever. All I can have if I want to drink Tito's and soda is just fatty meats. That's it. Listen to what I said. I'm on it. All like when I wake up, I'm like, oh, I'll have a brisket. And then at lunch, I go, I think I'll have the rest of that brisket. And then at dinner, I'm allowed to say, maybe I'll put an egg on top of that brisket. That is fucking ridiculous. These burnt ends are caramelized. I mean, this, uh, whatever this huge bone is, it looks like the thing Fred Flintstone got delivered to his car that tipped it over in the Mm. Flintstones. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's a beef rib, dude. This is Bart's Barbecue. Hooked us up at Bart's Barbecue. It's his last name, B-A-R-T-Z, Bart's Barbecue. He shows, it goes to all the breweries in L.A., man, so you can find him mostly in the South Bay, but sometimes he goes to other places. But, dude, he's my favorite. He doesn't look like he'd be a brewerist. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> you mean he's not at an orange or like theory? a winery or somewhere? <laughs> oh, my God. My goal, like I have goals in life. I think they're all formed. Good for you, Bert. <laughs> they're all formed on watching Cribs. But, <laughs> dude, Cribs fucked me up so bad when I was 26. I was like, yeah, I'll definitely have a private island by 33. I probably should buy a boat first, then a house. Dude, the worst is when I was like a 12-year-old, like little Romeo or something, and he's showing you his mansion, and I'm 
40 now and I live in a 2-1. <laughs> Thanks, comedy. Kevin Brennan was at my house and, uh, and I was shooting a video. I was waiting for Aaron to roll her eyes. <laughs> and I'm shooting, I shoot videos at my house and he comes into my backyard and the first thing he says is, your house looks a lot bigger on Instagram. <laughs> and I was like, I do use wide angle lenses. Like if you, when you walk in my backyard, you're like, oh, I'm almost out of it. So that's a quality slam. Um, I love good barbecue. I had good barbecue in South Carolina one time. I was like, this is the best barbecue you'll ever taste. And I take a bite of the rib and I go, oh my God, it tastes, um, it tastes like candy almost. And he goes, yeah. I go, what do you put on it? And he goes, well, right before I bring it to your plate, I dip it in honey. And I was <laughs> well, like, that explains it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would do it. <laughs> That's a lot of the hints I'm picking up is honey. I was like, you motherfucker. Yeah, you, yeah, anyone can do that. You don't mix. He goes, no, I don't mix anything. You just dip in honey. <laughs> what kind of rub do you use? I crush up Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what we did on Something's Burning? By the way, if you guys don't know, I have a, a wildly successful. Uh, <laughs> wow. Wildly successful cooking show called Something's Burning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gotten hundreds of thousands of downloads. <laughs> I wish Bill Burr could get me to a million so I could say millions of downloads. But anyway, uh, it's pretty much guest friendly. Like, if a good guest is on it, it's a good episode. The cooking isn't really matter. Like, they don't really turn in for, tune in for the recipes or the cooking. I think the cooking somewhat takes away from the show a tad bit. <laughs> but we did an episode with the Super Troopers where I made McGriddles, and I will tell you how to make McGriddles right now. It is so amazing. First of all, you gotta make your pancake batter from scratch. Like salt, baking powder, a little bit of sugar. Uh, man, there's something, every time I burp up uh, IPA, I think of this one time, secret time, I don't like flying. And so one, one time we're in Utah and I gotta fly to Vegas to jump off the stratosphere that day. Secret time, secret time, and I'm nervous about the flight. I'm nervous about the jump. And so I start drinking IPAs in Utah in the shower. And I'm just drink, like going like, come on, we'll get a little bit of a buzz, we'll feel comfortable. Drinking IPAs, and all of a sudden I burp, and it comes out weird on my nose, and I start throwing up IPAs in the shower, just like, like a solid like 32 <laughs> ounces of IPA. And I'm just sitting there going, fuck. And then I got, and I, all I thought was, of Kyle, was Kyle Kinane's joke. If you throw up while brushing your teeth, does that count as brushing your teeth? <laughs> I did that with a Subway sandwich one time in college. Are you serious? <laughs> I was in the shower and I thought I was in a burp and I threw up an entire foot long. Oh my God. Me and my daughter did the one chip challenge and uh, me and a few, a few people. And my daughter got into it. She, she loved the feeling of fucking hot. It was a little scary to watch my daughter go. We broke that up in pieces. Everyone took the same size piece. And then Isla goes, I'm going back in. And takes another piece. And I go, hold on, slow down. She goes, one more. And took three pieces. And she liked the feeling of the... I, if, I'm a, one day she'll be chasing the dragon in a bathroom stall, I'm sure. <laughs> going, I can't, it reminds me of the hot chip challenge I did with my dad. Thank you, dad. <laughs> oh, God. And so the next day... She comes into my bedroom. I'm still asleep. My wife's taking him to school. And she comes in, and I was like, hey, do you need a kiss? And she goes, no. Have you gone to the bathroom yet? <laughs> and I go, no. Have you? And she goes, I'm afraid to go to school. What if I have diarrhea? <laughs> and I go, I go, you'll be fine. She goes, no, what if it's hot diarrhea? And I have to sit there for a while. And I was like, well. 
<laughs> I've had the I've had the worst. I've had I've eaten those really hot peppers. By the way, we've got to get Aaron up here at some point to be on the podcast. That is such a get every comedian. What we're gonna do is we're gonna break down comedians, how much they get paid, what their routes are. <laughs> Do you realize you could have the number one podcast tomorrow if you just came out and you're like, so here's the deal. <laughs> he used to be at a percentage, but we had to bump him down to a guarantee. Oh, my God. That never happens? Oh, thank God. I was so nervous. <laughs> Someone record that and put that down? So, uh, but yeah, we, uh, what were we talking about before that? I was about to say something before I did Secret Time. No, before that, I was like, oh, about IPAs? Oh, about what you, uh, we threw up, threw, uh, <laughs> thrown up in the shower. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 it was, it was in between South Carolina barbecue. Burp, burp. IPA burps, it was right before well, IPA burps. Huh. Well, part of it. well, IPAs in Utah are very different, which I didn't know until we went there last month. And uh, in Utah, they, the beers are very weak. You know, it's not here like you look up on that board and there's something up there that's like 12% or something. Literally, it's like 3 or 4%, the IPAs. So Bert and I went drinking Thursday night and I had a ton of IPAs. Friday morning, I woke up and I was like, I feel fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big IPA guy. Really? Yeah, I'll tell you why. Because I feel like no matter how good or how high the quality is, I feel like every IPA tastes to me like the last part of throwing up. Oh. You know what? Can I tell you? And this guy... So I didn't like IPAs. I think it was well, here. I think it was here that they said it to me. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm almost certain it was here. The last year we were here, I said, they asked me if I wanted an IPA, and I said, no, it was here. And they said, that's so interesting. You're from Florida. I thought you'd like IPAs. I went, what? And they go, don't you get the hint of grapefruit? And I went, no. And then I had an IPA, and as a Florida kid, I love grapefruit juice. And I was like, oh, there is a hint of grapefruit in IPA. Like a si like, take a sip. Are you, are you drinking an IPA? Yep. You hear a hint. You feel a hint of grapefruit. I had that. I don't growler. have to take a sip. I drink a lot of IPAs. I'm very familiar. Really? Yeah. That's okay. all I drink. Plus, it gives you that breath, like you just swallowed a bunch of socks. Well, maybe that's why people don't like me. <laughs> and Dave, you are a close I'm, talker. You yeah. like to loom. I'm not gonna lie to you. You well, backed me down a few times. I, especially really after a few IPAs, defense. I'm sure I get yeah. in real tight. I used to do this thing when I was younger. We'd be at a crowded bar. It was real loud. The, I'd be talking to someone like this, and the drunker I got, the more I would turn my hand up. <laughs> so the next day, people would be like, how drunk was Dave last night? And they'd be like, oh, he was all the way up here. What was the theory on turning your hand up? I don't know. It was just like a reflex. The drunker I got, I just felt like I had to talk like this. I don't, I don't, I don't have answers, Bert. Have you guys ever done cocaine? <laughs> yes, yes, I have. Have you, Dave? Uh, no. Uh, no. That's, that's a what? Well, I, I early car dealership well, I did, days. I did grow up in Miami. I had to think about it for a second. You do shit by accident sometimes there. I did at a concert one time. I had someone rub something on my gums that made me behave. That's cocaine, Dave. That's <laughs> that yeah. made me. Wait, wait, was it a dentist or was it a dude? <laughs> it wasn't suntan lotion. It it was a it was a, a woman who I don't know if she was real to this day. <laughs> But I don't remember the rest of the concert. Let's put By it that way, way. I've had those. I've had, I had someone at a concert give me sarsaparilla. And he was like, I think it was Maybe sarsaparilla. Maybe that's what it was. Either that or hemlock. And he was like, one of the, I, don't, I forget what it was, but it was like one of those words, like, try this, this is sarsaparilla. And I was like, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I don't, my feet look like they have ski boots on them. Yeah. I just realized today I have to stop. I, I just got back into weed. 
I haven't smoked weed all year this year. That's a lie. Uh, because I have smoked it, but but like not like a lot, like like enough to say I haven't smoked it. Does that make sense? Like yes. I smoked, I smoked it like five times, maybe. I've maybe smoked five cigars this whole year. We're in June right now. No, we're not. We're in May right now. That's what five months, six months. January, February, March, April, May. Five months. That's a lot for only like five cigars, five hits of weed, or ten hits of weed probably because I like two, but. Today when I ran, I was so out of breath, and I was like, I was like, oh, I don't want to be the old guy that like breathes hard, you know, like when he gets up out of his recliner, which I am turning into. So today I was on the, my fucking hellacious treadmill, and I was like, I think I'm done smoking weed. And then literally got in to get dressed and put my vape pen in my pocket because <laughs> I'm doing a show after this with uh, Complex Media called uh, Fuck It, Let's Drink It. And so I'm just going to get hammered at 3 o'clock. <laughs> now, and, do you prefer to vape it, or do you smoke it uh, old school, or do you put it in a bowl? What is your preferred method? Of well, for a guy who hasn't smoked all year, I did both yesterday. Wow. <laughs> well, I you smoked, dip, you jump both. You jump, I smoked you jump a in. joint of Blue Dream, uh, which Ari was very critical of yesterday, uh, in the morning at 9 a.m. Uh, and then I, at the end of the night, I didn't want to drink. Uh, and I had really enjoyed the high I had, so I went in and I got my Pax vape pen, who I, which has Pineapple Express in it. That's my fave. And um, well, it's right in my pocket if you want it. Uh, <laughs> and I took a nice hit of that, and then I went out and then Googled everything you need to know about triathlons. <laughs> like, it's creepy that I, I think I'm going through a midlife crisis. Hey, Dave, do you want to text later, maybe? I'm trying to run a comedy festival, Bert. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll monologue about another interest of mine. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you ask people if they've ever done ecstasy or something out of the blue? <laughs> well, I think we all know the answer to that. <laughs> you guys ever done heroin? All right, uh, you guys know Greg Wilson? Calls himself the Greg Wilson. The Greg Wilson, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was doing the San Francisco comedy. He, wait, 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 the Greg Wilson, he did the Arnold Schwarzenegger impression? Had like, kind of looked like Steve Trevino, <laughs> but, right? Yeah, uh, probably, sounds right. Wait, Aaron. <laughs> the Greg Wilson, he like, he like kind of looked like Steve Trevino. I could stick. Yeah. Like, but like with curlier hair. He was a more Steve was a more angular Greg Wilson. <laughs> By the way, neither of them are angular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Steve Trevino. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the first time I ever met Greg, uh, we were sitting at a table with a bunch of comics having beers and eating chicken wings, and we're all telling stories, you know how it always, like, you know, spurs another story, oh, this one time, whatever, talking to and Greg just looks up and he's like, oh, man, you know, like, you know when you're, like, halfway through a gallon bag of Coke? And, and I look at him and I'm like, no, don't know how that is at all. Like, can't relate. He just said it like it was, like, uh, going to relate about walking his dog or something, you know? I think you're alone on that one, Greg. Excuse it is me, crazy when your life slides into a place where people don't understand it. Like I, sometimes I'll take kids out on the road with me, like young kids, and uh, not, not not sound creepy, but like, <laughs> you know what I said the we're other gonna day? We're going to isolate that, Otto. I said, you know what I said? I was talking to, about Joel Batchoff on stage, and I Joel Batchoff, am I saying his name right? Batchkoff? Batchoff. Batchkoff? Batchkoff. Uh, he owned the Miami Improv. He owns Tempe, Stand Up Live. And I was in Tempe this weekend. Great numbers. Didn't sell out Thursday, but we're, we're not counting that. So, so or Friday. But anyway, so, so uh, but really close. It's a 450-seater. I mean, if we're a comic listening to it, good. you know, I walked away with good money. But 
It was a last minute. Oh, there you go, Aaron. <laughs> Fucking get her a mic. What the fuck are we doing? We have a mic that'll reach Aaron. We should give it to her. So anyway, so uh, and they put Joey Diaz the week in front of me. It kind of dipped in him. Anyway, it's not a big deal. So uh, <laughs> but the, I don't remember the story now. Oh, Joe Batchkoff. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I don't drink on stage. Everyone, I know that's hyperbole, but like I sometimes will drink on stage. But I don't drink for the first show ever. Maybe I'll have a sip. Maybe I'll kill one drink, tops, first show. But on the second show, I definitely have a drink when I start to yeah. tell the machine story. And that can lead into like <laughs> a 25-minute machine story where I, where I go off on every angle and I do sidebars and secret time. <laughs> and one of my sidebars was Joel was in the room and I, I wanted to be thankful to Joel because he's given me a lot, lot of opportunities, as Aaron probably is the most. But as Joel has given me a lot of opportunities... And I said, I met him when I was 26 years old and we were fucking kids, but now we're, you were fuck- fucking kids. Oh, and, then, and then I said, but now we're fucking men. And, Whoa. <laughs> and everyone lost it, but I didn't realize what I said. <laughs> Minimum when we were 25 years old, when we were fucking kids, now we're fucking men. And everyone's like, well, you should be. So I wrote that down on my <laughs> notes. I don't know how I'll slide that into a story. <laughs> I, I do a limited, a limited uh, Joel Backoff impression. Okay, let me try mine first. All right. Hey, buddy, how about? What's up? Oh, so good to have you. How's Rogan? You know, like, okay. That's it. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's literally literally those two words. Just, hey, buddy. Hey. That's it. Tosh just came through. Oh. I love Tosh. Gotta love Tosh. Club looks good, right? By the way, this is really, Joel. I am. Club, right? Right. I know. We did a lot of effort in the green room. Club right. looks good. Do, okay, see if you can do your Robert uh, Hartman impression. Uh, who's that? Uh, Robert, uh, who's that? Uh, <laughs> oh, how does that go? Edit that out at 32 minutes. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, let's bring Aaron. Aaron, will you come up here and talk? I'm, I wanna, what I want to talk about is not what you think I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is the, the maturation of the improv to where it is today and where you guys started and how you guys got where you are today, if you can. Because it's fascinating. What, what she won't tell you that I'd like to hear is that in what, 1990, was it eight? When did you start at the Improv? Come, Aaron, just come on up. Just yeah. come on up. Just come on up. We've, we're here. I'll tell you what. No, you're, you're fine. Pass her this microphone. I think go slowly, go slowly, go slowly. Go slowly. Yep. Avoid the barbecue. If you're uncomfortable as Aaron, just tell us if you've ever done heroin. Yeah. Okay, so not. I've got Aaron up. Aaron, talking to your mic? Hello. Okay, so uh, Aaron started, what year did you start at the improv? 1991. You got to talk into the microphone. 1991. 1991. At the time, it was you, Robert Hartman, uh, the guy who ran HBO, who's credited for a, Chris oh, Albrecht? Uh, yeah. Chris. But no, he was like a, he wasn't there when I, I mean, he was in Hollywood. He used to be a bartender, but it was... It was me and Robert, Dave Becky, who's... Dave Becky. Dave Becky actually hired me, and now wow. he's manager extraordinaire at Three Arts. Yeah. But in Mark Anderson, who nobody really, unfortunately, Mark knows. Anderson was... Wait, hold on. Mark Anderson was from Tempe? Yes. Owned DC? Yes. Yep. I knew Mark Anderson. He was the first person to franchise an improv. The one... The first person to franchise an improv. So just so you know, the improvs... I'm sure you guys know this, but the improvs now are... Nationwide, they're in how many markets? 
31? 31 markets, which is huge. Yeah. But in 1991, there was one. There was In 1991, there was D.C., Dallas, Houston, Irvine, Brea wasn't around yet, San Diego. There was five. There was one in San Diego? It was in Pacific Beach. It was amazing. I only had one. Mark, Mark's passed, right? Yes. I only had one in, in, uh, run-in with Mark Anderson, and that was in the D.C. Improv. His wife, if I'm not mistaken... His used-to-be girlfriend that it. ran the DC Improv? Yeah. Yes, Pam. Was, was really excited about the tacos. Probably. <laughs> and they, I, I want to say they both sat in as I ate tacos my very first time in the DC Improv <laughs> to get my reaction. And the only thing I could equivalent that to was watching uh, American Pie with Will Smith. Because I was wondering when I should laugh. Because I was like, it's not the funniest movie in the world, <laughs> but it's funny. But I, it's like younger than me. But I was like, these tacos are great. And they're like, uh-huh. And I was, because they were in charge of their own menu, which was a big deal when I first she went She opened, after she left the improv, she opened the California Tortilla Company, which is all over Maryland. So you might have been the catalyst if you really like those tacos. Oh, I sold those tacos. <laughs> How long ago was that? <laughs> I have no idea. It was, it was back before the, every show sold out there, because I know I didn't sell out the weekend. Like three years? Just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was the first time Not I was... a girl. In, I'll tell you what. Facebook had just showed up. The girl... It must have been 13 years ago. It must have been 13 years ago, because I went in and did Elliot in the Morning, and I gave out Leanne's phone. I got drunk on air. He only let me in because... He only let me in because I was an ATO, because we were in the same fraternity. I got drunk on air, and, I, and I, his co-host, Diane, was sitting by her microphone, and I said, call my wife. And as a joke, I went, her number is 213-924. And, and they go, don't give it on air. And I go, I'm just kidding. And I leaned over to her. I didn't realize her mic was there, and I said the rest of the number, one, two, four, five. And, and Leanne, we tried to call her, and it was busy. And I didn't realize I had done that. I then then gave out my password to Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you're a if you're a fan of Elliot in the Morning at the time, you're like, this guy's fucking gold. <laughs> Get you drunk and he'll tell you anything. And then I told the machine story that day, and he was like, this is 13 years ago. He's like, bro, yeah, yeah, I could definitely use a little topper for a copper. I figure yeah. if I'm doing a, I like how Bert says he's gonna get hammered in Manhattan Beach. Like it's not gonna happen here. <laughs> By the way, I just want to say I really love this meal so much because there is not a vegetable in this zip code, yeah. let yeah. alone on this table. I think the trees outside are fake. That's, yeah. how, that's how much I believe there's no vegetable. This is the manliest meal I've had, and I can't remember. Yeah, he apologized for not bringing sides, and I was like, we're going to be all no, right. It's oh, okay. yeah. My coach says that's okay. <laughs> now, Aaron, when does the Brea Improv open, and who's opening it? And if it's Tom Segura, don't say it out loud. Steve Byrne. Really? Oh, yeah, Steve. Tomorrow night. Wait, wait, wait. It's tomorrow night? Tomorrow night. Oh, shit. I got a tweet about that. <laughs> well, how big is it? We don't have the final capacity, but it looks like it's going to be around 600 seats. Okay. Wow. And tomorrow night, you don't have the final capacity? You might want to figure that out. Well, we don't... Unfortunately, we'll need chair. all 600 seats for Steve Byrne. That's how I run my comedy festival. I just bring chairs in <laughs> last second. By the way... <laughs> My favorite thing to do in the world right now. So 600 seats. Oh, so you're running a gross potential, aren't you? I'm doing a gross potential for Segura. Ugh. 
He does $35 tickets. He, when he took the date that he's playing in August, he didn't even know it was going to be this big. <laughs> $35 tickets. Okay. Yeah. Holy shit. And I don't get a Christmas card? Holy shit. Thank you so much. Holy shit. Times, how, many, how many shows do you think he's going to sell? Six? Seven. Seven? Seven? Cigars making that for a fucking weekend. Okay, but Bert, you're doing New Year's Eve. Uh, yeah, and I'm butt-fucked because there's no way I'm going to fucking draw that many people. You need to draw, you need to draw... 4,000 people to come to that club. You can do it. Oh my God. I have oh, I'm going to start promos now for New Year's. Hey guys, what are you doing this New Year's? No, 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 no. Change your plans. Now might be a good time for me to ask for eight comps so I can bring some friends. Hey, Aaron, you can have 600 on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> to put this in perspective, this club used to be an old navy. <laughs> It is, it, it's, it's, uh, the, now, uh, my only question I have, have you, you have you poured for him to pray? The, the, yeah. The moment right now? Sure. Yeah. Now, the only question I have is, at the stroke of 1130, will the noxious fumes of gas come out of the... <laughs> it will no longer smell like farts. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that was at 9 o'clock. That was nice of you to say 1130, but 9 o'clock every yeah. night, the back It's of the that back corner. Like fart. Yeah, you can't yeah. walk through there. What now? What's your favorite club in the chain? Meaning, meaning like, like let's do size wise, because obviously six hundred is that is a forerunner in where you guys are going, because it makes, like, I want to know, I want to know the, I want to know the comics you have offers for in Brea. I, I'm gonna guess them. I'm gonna guess them. I'm, I don't want another deals, but I'm gonna guess them. I know Joe Coy, Angela Johnson, uh, Fluffy. Angela played two weeks ago. At the new one. Two weeks and two weeks ago in the old one. Yeah. Oh my God! I would fucking Missed cancel that. I would have canceled that date. I would have been like, Angela, can we push you? Th- two she weeks. She wanted to play the old room. Who? Angela wanted to play the old room. She was worried oh. about the sound being the first week. Oh yeah, she's a great. I got to be honest with you. I think about Angela Johnson a lot more than she thinks about me. <laughs> 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 for the for the reason, like I went in and I said, I go, does Angela still tell the nail salon story? And they're like, fuck yeah, she has to. And I was like, okay, thank God. <laughs> You're not the only one. I was like, oh God. Because I was like, I'm still telling the machine. I told them, I had to, secret time, I had to tell the machine story on my second, on my third special. <laughs> like I got done the fucking show and they're still going, the machine! And I'm like, fuck it. And I'm like, I'm like I'll tell it again. <laughs> On a special, I had to tell it. But yeah, that's... Uh, God, I can't wait. Just, that's, you, those big clubs are next level. Oh, in the I, mic, in the mic, in the mic. I like... Anything above 400 is a waste to me. I mean, I just... I, I love the intimacy of the old rooms. I do too, but I will tell you the walkout potential in DC is it, it handicaps the club. In right. my opinion, they in my opinion there's no way to make DC no, bigger. No, when when I'm getting the calls from the agents for big name acts, it's always like give me San Jose, give me Houston, give me Irvine, it's going to be now give me Brea. Anything four or above yeah. is what they're looking for. So by the way, I should have said this to everyone uh, at the beginning of when we introduced Aaron, <laughs> but Aaron is I've, I've said this a number of times. I'm not sharing secrets now. But it's definitely responsible for my career. Hardcore. One of my favorite stories ever. Ever, ever, ever. And I'll share it again. This is my, one of my... I've told this so many times. 
I get. I used to me Brea, me Segura and Ian Bag used to go out and work Brea every every Tuesday, every Thursday. Like if there was a fallout for Thursday, we'd have that. We'd do that room, and we weren't nationally touring headliners at the time. We were just pretty good comics who could host for anyone. Really funny comics and great guys. And That's... really and good and like being like, oh no, we'll get out there on. T- we'll be there early. We'll show up. We're not going to be a pain in the ass. We'll stay out of the green room if they want us out of the green room, and uh, and and then we often Aaron would give us all three of the night together. So Segura, obviously the weakest of the three, would go first. <laughs> I wish I'd just go back to that time in my life. I wish I could go back to when he was like, hey, do you, are you looking for a Porsche? And I was like, no, bro. I'm just looking for a fucking, fucking watch. And so like, so, but uh, Segura, me and Ian would all just share the night. So one night I get a phone call at the last minute and they're like, hey, are you available? It's a Tuesday night. And I said, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm free. And they're like, cool, we had a fallout. We have, a, we have a comedian. I, I've told him the story. I'll tell him this. I don't care sharing his name. Chris Porter, who was just on Last Comic Standing. We've got a host. We've got Chris Porter. He's going to do 30. But we just want him to do 30. His agents want him to look the best he can. So we want to send him out on a tour with a black comic who I don't remember the comic's name. And, and But it was a black comic. I, I'm just being, I don't remember yeah, either. Like, something. And so... Uh, and, there, and but we, you know, we've sold tickets to the show, so we want someone who can follow that and do like a, a 45 minutes or an hour. And I was like, yeah, sure. I didn't really understand what was going on, and I got out there. I think Matt Fultron was hosting, and Matt Fultron told me, I go, wait, who's this guy? And then he's like, it's Chris Porter. He's out of Kansas City. He's really, he's really fucking funny. And he's like, it's gonna be tough to follow. And I was like, wait. I go, why is Aaron? Why is everyone's here? And all the agents and everything. And they're like, oh, he's going to, uh, he's going to. Um, do a, a tour at all the improvs. In a weird way, when you're a 33-year-old guy with two kids, you're like, fuck, when's my opportunity going to... You know what I mean? You're like... Or 39. Or 42, <laughs> for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. You're I really mean, putting the numbers, 40, numbers out there. 43 I mean. is the year. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, 45 was my year. But my year that everything happened for me, 45, I'll take that all day. I, when I die, they're going to go, man, when he was 40. When he was 45. <laughs> so he finally got his shit together. He left the Travel Channel and started to focus on his podcast. His internet presence excelled. And he lost some weight. He still drank way too much. (laughs) When he was 46, he was still telling the machine. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, uh, that was too close to home. So, so, so I go out and I see everyone there. And then the second Chris gets off stage, I see everyone leave. And in a weird way, you're like, eh, part of you is like, fuck it. I can have fun because I don't have to worry about my set. And so I got up on stage and I just told my opening joke was about my roommate had walked in on a famous uh, black actor having sex with his girlfriend in the morning. And he had walked in on her and he had showed up at our house that morning crying aggressively. And my joke was, you know, uh, the, uh, the only thing better than making someone's laugh is making someone cry harder, really turning the screws and saying to him stuff like, so you, you, did you meet the famous black actor? And he's like, no, I didn't meet him, you know? So wait, did he look, does he look good? And he's like, no, I don't know. Like, it was horrible. I then do two bits I had only tried like once. Once was about putting a carrot or a cucumber in a girl's, and my wife's ass. And another one I have still never done on a special, which I might do on my next one, which is about dating a black chick, about... I want to date a black chick. I want to, I'm not going to do the bit, but the whole point is, it, it's, it's it, anyway. So I. Uh, that was the bit that made me. 
The black chip Love one. You. The yeah, black you. Chip I, when I did my lap, my second spe first special, you were like, "Is it on there?" And I was like, "No, I just said it that night. It was like an improv." And then, and then I remembered it, and I've said it since. And it's so anyway. In the middle of my set, my buddy calls, and he and I'm like, "Oh my God! Remember the guy I said that was crying at my door? He's on the phone." I go, "No one say anything." So I answer it and I go, "Hey, buddy, what's up?" And he's like. I'm not doing so good. <laughs> <laughs> and the place is holding, it's like, it's study hall laughs. It's like when you want to laugh, but you can't. And they're holding onto their seat. And I'm like, uh, are you still thinking about da, da, da? And about the famous, and he's like, I just, uh, and he starts crying. And they start breaking out in laughter. And he's like, are you with somebody? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm going into a tunnel. And I hung up. <laughs> <laughs> so I get off stage and Aaron is sitting in the green room. And I walk in and she says to me, is that what you do all the time? And I go, yeah. She goes, is that your act? And I go, I don't know. I was just fucking around. She goes, you, is that what you do? And I said, yeah. And she goes, oh my God. I'm gonna call you with an offer tomorrow. It's not gonna be great, but don't let Barry Katz fuck up your life. <laughs> she, goes, she goes, take the offer. Bert, trust me, I, I'm being very generous. Take the offer. The offer was like, in retrospect, when I got it, I was like through the fucking roof. But now when I look back, I go, oh yeah. And I remember like two years later when the an economy went in the shitter and it went back to that offer. And I was like, no, 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 take the offer. Take, I remember Aaron's always in my head. Take the offer, take the offer. She's never gonna fuck you, take the offer. But uh, the next day I got an email from Aaron with 13 offers in, the, in my email. And I, I remember grabbing my wife. I remember where my t desk was sitting in, the, in my house at the time, my apartment. And I just said, I said, look at this. My wife was the only one working at the time. And I was like, boom, your boy's got a job. And she yeah. was like, oh, and it was the greatest. And every year since then, it, uh, that's, so that's what Aaron does. So for those of you who like my podcast, realize my podcast would not be here without Aaron. I don't get to do that nearly as much as I want to do that. It's gotten, things have gotten to be really tough for you because now you have internet acts coming in. And, and by the way, I'm not, I won't let you shit on internet acts because I will, but, <laughs> but internet acts come, come in and steal like a, a Friday night or a, or a Thursday yeah, night. There's only so many weekends. And there's only a couple good internet acts. The well-read comedy tour is a great internet. They're real comics, but they got their blast on internet. But then you have guys that dress as like a penguin, dance for 15 minutes. I never booked him on a weekend. He was a strictly Tuesday, Wednesday act, and it was, uh, it's a llama. By the way, by the way, this guy realized that was a real dude. This, yeah, this guy's up, ticket price was like $100. Or no, 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 it was, it was like $50, but he did $50 meet and greets. A hundred, when you, so think about, he, he could sell out Brea, right? You're talking about making, was it 60 grand in one night? That is... And he danced in a llama suit. Like, in total. Yeah. I'm listening. I know, by the way. That's Does he not, want to do a pop-in spot at the Gundo Comedy Festival? followers, you can also dance in a llama suit. By the way, that's not far off from my act of just taking off your shirt. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I am very slow to throw rocks in my glass house because I know what my act looks like. But, uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, when was the biggest bump you saw in this business, Aaron, if you don't mind? Like, where you saw, like, whoa, things are changing. Now everyone wants door deals. Or, like, was there a time where everyone was cool with, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that nuance thing where you're like, oh, like, I just said this, the other day someone was talking about this comedian. He's a road act, right? Like, a straight-up road guy. And they're like, uh, oh, yeah, he brings his own feature with him. And I was like, whoa, 
when did road guys get to bring their own fucking feature? Like, I don't bring my own feature a lot. Like, I will sometimes, but most of the times I try to support local comedy and bring and let the new guy in that city perform in front of 450 people and go like, this is amazing. Because that doesn't happen all the time, you know? And it's, it's almost like that's how you support comedy is let people that don't just live in L.A. do it. But then you have friends where you're like, Bro, I'd love to be with you for the weekend. Like, I want, I'd love to party with you for the weekend. What was, like, something nuanced like that in the business where you saw, like, a change? Oh, this is... Hmm. It started with bringing your own feature act. Um, yeah. And then it was somebody gets a Comedy Central half hour and now they want a Versus deal. Like, it was overnight. Really? And your Versus set- deal is... Is a percentage of the door, it's, but versus a guarantee. Versus yeah. a guarantee. You're so, but they all they. I mean, every, I think APA just got super aggressive, um, and they had a lot of really wonderful big. By the way, they, that's not happening anymore. I don't. Are they no, still no, exist? things have changed. Yeah, do, for is APA. Are they still around? Yes. Oh, for real? They still have a business. Yes. Well, what do they do now? <laughs> they have who? Oh, I don't give a fuck. You can say his name out loud. <laughs> they, they, they have a lot of young up-and-coming acts. Okay. And um, I have to be very careful. You, you do. I don't. I already passed on them twice. <laughs> uh, it just, it I passed got, on them twice when they had a comedy The department. comedy industry, got, it's just gotten really combative, and it was probably, I want to say, like six, seven years ago. Does that sound about right? It got combative. I it used got... to be a buyer, and they used to wine and dine me and treat me great, and now they, they, I'm a punching bag. Really? That's crazy. That's crazy because, like, I always look at, like, uh, now we're getting, like, really inside baseball. Yeah, this isn't funny. No, no, <laughs> no. By the way, every comic just emailed each other. And yeah, like, there's, like, seven <laughs> comics in the room right now that are soaking this in. Okay, how about this? Let's do this. I think a lot of the people that listen to this podcast want advice, and I think a lot of the people, like, what advice would you give to a comic? Like, here's the number one thing. I will tell you, I'm going to tell you the two different, this is going to fuck you up. Do you remember when we saw um, the guy die in Amsterdam together? Wait, when was this? In Amsterdam, red light comedy. Oh, yeah. We were in the beer garden. I still think about that. Oh, also fuck, not yeah. funny, but it was so fucking By weird. By the way, that was, that was really fun, that Amsterdam trip. Oh, my God. How come I never saw that movie? Oh, uh, because, well, God, now we're getting really inside baseball. Let's get off all these subjects. All right. Um, do, do you remember eating the green hot dog at four in the morning? Uh, yeah. Yeah, me too. I remember Hannibal Burris getting so high, he thought my documentary film crew were paparazzi. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is what a gangster Hannibal is. He got into their car, their taxi, and took them somewhere else and then dropped them off and then went back to meet up with us. And he goes, don't worry, I lost them. I was like, <laughs> I go, Hannibal, those were my friends. And he was like, they won't be bothering you anymore. Um, I remember I snuck out of like, I was with the production side of it, obviously. And yeah. me and one of the producers snuck out and we went to a gay bar in Amsterdam. And it was just the two of us. By the way, I know what producer you're talking and about. And we, te- yes. And then we texted you. Yeah. And like 20 minutes later, I hear a ruckus and it's just him him and probably other people and somehow he's got people chanting USA I know exactly USA I was with Hannibal USA and they're walking into this gay bar chanting USA and I was like I think Bert's here (laughs) yeah Yeah, I have a my wife says I cast a large wake 
and it can be a, a distracting from our family. <laughs> I, 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 I wish I could draw down it back. By the way, I am definitely buzzed off two beers. And they're good beers. And Shout out to Pete for taking care of us at Also Gonna Know Brewing Co. Yeah. This place is phenomenal. Great beer. I like that you guys upped your growlers. I like this new growler system. I still got your old growler. I keep watering I it for when it. I, I bring train. it every year. It's being filled tonight. <laughs> Is it really? Yes, it's right over there with the tag on it. Oh, the growler. Um, all right. Here's, I'm gonna, by the way, this is just, this is inside baseball a little bit. I'm going to name four stars. I want you to tell me who took off the quickest, okay? Okay. Uh, and guys, I want your help on this. All right. Number one, Kevin Hart. Number two, Amy Schumer. Number three, Dave Chappelle. Number four, Who's number four? Who's someone that's really, like, let's do, no, I don't want to. Segura. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tom Segura. Yeah, Tom Segura. All right. Wait, wait, hold on. Can we just say that he's not a star, though? <laughs> no, no, no. He's not your level star, but. Okay, and then Burke Kreischer, and then just, we'll do one edit where it's me, and then, okay, keep going. Um, Kevin Hart was a surprisingly slow burn, actually. Really? Because after Soul Plane, every, I was, I thought he was going to jump, and he did not. It was flat, and um, wasn't in, I don't even know, what was it, his special? But then he was a superstar overnight. Okay, okay, but what, you know what it is? I think his special took off, and it was shared on YouTube. Yeah. Right when YouTube started blowing up. It was, it, when you watched comedy, it was Kevin Hart. And I, I will say this, I don't, you can say what, anyone can say whatever the fuck they want about Ke anyone I just mentioned, or any star, if they're at the top of their game, they're there for a reason. Kevin Hart is funny as shit. That special that popped him was fuck. When he his when he does his dad like or like the way a black man's hands raise as he talks shit, he is fucking hilarious. And so singularly one of the most charming human beings in the world. I mean, okay. I'm I'm not an important person, but he makes you feel important yeah. when he talks to you, no matter who you are. He's just a delight. And so and so Kevin Hart's oddly enough slow burn. Dude. Amy Schumer. Uh, well, Kevin, though, honestly, the first time I remember ever being aware of him was actually he was in a bunch of Nike commercials. And there was like, they're getting I think a you're of Spike Williams. No, no, it was Kevin Hart, man. Wait, not Spike Williams. <laughs> he was, he Spike, Williams. Williams. Spike Lee. Spike Williams. <laughs> Spike Williams. <laughs> Who are you talking about? <laughs> I think you're thinking of Spike Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spike. Spike Jackson. No, uh, he did uh, some really funny Nike commercials. And then from that, I saw he had a special. And I'm like, oh, that guy's a stand-up. All right. Well, Schumer, I booked on what was it? Uh, Gotham. What was the show called? Live at Gotham. Live, Gotham everything yeah. is live at live at Gotham. I did that. And uh, yes, you did. Nice to see you again. Um, <laughs> that uh, you know, I I wouldn't have called it, and we represented her at the time when she got the Amy Schumer show, and they thought that's really going to do it. And the first season didn't. The second season did. Really. Um. Yeah. It was. She she took off quicker than I expected. Really? Did she do a round at the clubs, or did she go straight to theaters? She did a round of clubs when she could sell any tickets, and then the minute she could sell a ticket, it was adios. Yeah, I would say if uh, for for what I would I would go I would go uh, Schumer first, and then I would go uh, um, Kevin Hart second because I opened up for Kevin Hart at the uh, Virginia Beach Funny Bone. 
And I remember when Schumer came to do the Cleveland Improv, and then I swear the next week it was like she just launched in a space, spacecraft. Right. I mean, I was paying her, you know, opening headliner money. Yeah, guarantees. Um, just a flat guarantee, no bonuses, and she wasn't selling any tickets. Right. And the clubs were just bitching about having her on the schedule. <laughs> and, and then next, like in one week, it just went off the charts. And I, I wish I knew the formula. And then uh, with Segura, who, uh, who I remember. Went, who went I, faster, Segura or Amy? Like Amy. Was, Amy, because you also have to look back at how long Tom has been doing it. I mean, maybe my perception is different because yeah. I'm looking at it from, I've known Tom for a really long time. Yeah. And he's always been as funny as he is now, but nobody knew who he was. And I never, I mean, Netflix was his catalyst for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, and I wish that that still happened on Netflix, but it doesn't because there's so much on Netflix now yeah. Yeah. that you really, really have to rise above everything else. You almost have to be on the front page with your shirt off being like, watch me. <laughs> yeah, I saw him feature at the Cleveland Improv, Segura, and he was time. hysterical. It was unbelievable. Well, he's, he's always been funny, and he's, he's, he's an anomaly in this business, in my opinion. So here's my theory. I'm going to take Jim Jeffries and Bill Burr as my outliers to, to prove my example. I, and myself included. You need something for people to go, oh, that's the guy, dot, dot, dot. So with Bill Burr, and, and by the way, I, no disrespect to their comedy. They're brilliant comics. That's why they have the career. But, and that's the difference between the thing to point your finger at and not having the career. Bill Burr was the Philly incident. After the Philly incident, everyone watched it and was like, oh my God, I got to see that guy. And he's a brilliant comic. So you saw the Philly incident, you went and saw his comedy, and you're like, okay, I'm a fan. Jim Jeffries was the getting beaten up at the comedy store in London. You saw that incident, you went and saw his comedy, and you're like, oh fuck, I'm a fan. Myself, it's the machine story, then you're like, oh my God, he's better than both those guys, I'm a fan. <laughs> Rogan, you can throw Rogan into that as an example to say, Rogan was on news radio, which was arguably a, one of the best shows on when it was on. Amazing show. Um, so and funny. he was a really funny character on the show. And then he was the host of Fear Factor. Joe Rogan was one of the funniest people, and still is, but back then, nobody bought a ticket to see him. Dude, they didn't know who he was. He had a joke. Of, this is what I like. This is when I, when I became a fan of Joe's, meaning like didn't know him, but I liked him, was he did a bit against Hugh Hefner. Like, take, took the opposite side of like, sell, this is during Limp Biscuit, uh, Britney <laughs> Spears, all that era, the Dane Cook, like, like Justin Timberlake's coming to my show. Oh my God, who wants to go to the Playboy Mansion? That's what our dreams are. And Joe took the opposite side going, it's a gross old man. Like, it's disgusting what he's doing. Almost like in a Stan Hope-esque way. And I was like, oh, I fucking like this guy. Cause that's the way my brain thought. But you're right. He had a hard time, and he said this. He wouldn't. He couldn't sell tickets. He was literally my favorite comic, but I couldn't sell any tickets with him. And it wasn't until because people would come and they're like, "Oh, we'll go see the guy from Fear Factor," but they didn't think he was funny until they saw him. But it really was his podcast and the UFC stuff that really catapulted. Well, I think also the Mencia thing. When people saw the Mencia thing, I think a lot of people were like. Oh, not only is he a comic, but he's an integral. He's like a he's, vigilante. He's he's a, like a, he's got integrity it's to his belief. It's more of a curiosity about what's this beef about, and then they see his material and they see how funny he is. Oh, that because because and he also did something really smart. Not to like 
spend time sucking his dick, but he had something called the Joe Show, which he had documented himself doing his weekends with Red Band. Red Band shot it and filmed it. So if you looked up Joe Rogan, you found a wealth of stuff on the internet. And then, I mean, now I can't open my YouTube on my phone without Joe being the first thing that comes up. Mm -hmm. By the way, I have my own YouTube channel and I don't come up on it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, but he's, he did talk about that a lot about how his the people thought of him as the Fear Factor guy as opposed to the comic. And he wasn't, I mean, he was a great host, but you couldn't see what he was capable of as a host. So people didn't expect that from him. And once they started seeing him, yeah. Where do you see comedy going, Aaron, if you don't mind me asking? Because did you ever think of a time where someone goes, I'm not doing radio, I'll just mention it on my podcast? No, I never saw that coming. And that makes so much more of a difference. Um, I feel bad for radio. Radio used to be badass, and now it's... It still yeah. is in some markets. Well, if you're a really great show, and I mean, it depends on the market. I'm flying in early I'm on the red eye, so I get to Cincinnati at five in the morning, so I can go do Kid Chris. And I think you're playing Cincinnati. Uh, yeah. I don't book Cincinnati. Uh, Liberty Township. Yeah, that's Stroop. Yeah, yeah. Why? Wait, what? No, just are, curious. That's are, where we met, dude. Are you, why? Are you doing Cincinnati? No, I'm not doing Cincinnati. Wait, wait is there? I just want all your dates. Oh yeah, and yeah. I don't get them. What's well, a big room? Those is big it? rooms. How big is Cincy? Uh, 400. Big. See, magic number. Huge ceilings. 450 is huge. 450 is tough. 600 is going to be. I think 500 is ridiculous. I mean, Irvine is 490, and that's different because Irvine's a special animal. Oh. You ask me on my favorite club, it's Irvine. That's because I got married club. there. It's a great club. I shot my last special there. Yeah. It's a fantastic club. Do you guys like that we are simply having a phone conversation yeah, sorry. right now? Yeah, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> Stop talking. As long as we just keep dropping celebrity names, people listening are going to be interested. And they're going to be like, what are they washing in the background? <laughs> I ate all that barbecue. I just want to take a nap. By the way, I don't want to stop eating barbecue, but I'm trying to be healthy, so i got to get ready for this triathlon. Let's <laughs> do it, bro. Um, uh, do you, does anyone... We, we're, at, we're at an hour and four minutes. I have... Oh, I have another 30 minutes before I have to stop doing this and just drink. Um, all right. I'm trying to think of just questions to ask Aaron. Um, <laughs> that's all you've had is two beers? Do you have to go back to the office? How are the chickens? Oh, my fingers? God. I'm going to call my I'm agent right now and say negotiate. Renegotiate Bre Brea. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, I remember Netflix has changed, but it's just it's, it's viewership just increased by like two million people or something. Like it's the it's just overwhelming how big they are. By the way, even if your special only gets seen by one percent of them, you're still getting seen by more than any one network ever. But it's got to be good if it's going to translate to them becoming a fan. Well, I think the biggest mistake made on Netflix specials is people make it for the room. You got to make it for the viewer. Tig Notaro taught me that. As crazy as that sounds, we did a premium blend together, and she went out first. And I love you, Tig, but she ate a dick for the first time in her life, probably. Um, she's a lesbian. Yeah. Yeah. A lesbian. By the way, that's a fucking... Yeah. That was, I'm so quick as a... Con anyway. <laughs> and so uh, Tig Notaro ate it, and then I went up, and I murdered. Do you remember a comic? I've always, do you remember a comic who used to hang out at the improv? He had long, curly hair like a rock star. His name was Rick Schwartz, maybe? And oh, he God, punched yeah. an agent once. Um, he was friends with Gary Goldman. 
I totally remember him, but I do not remember his name. And then that sounds sounds it Shapiro, eerily right. Though? It not might Schwartz? have been. It might have been. And I think he ended up uh, becoming a teacher in Virginia. Anyway. That's how it was me, him, and Earthquake on the show. (laughs) And uh, what a fucking pairing that was. Thank you, Pat Buckles. I went up after Tig, and I murdered. But I played to the room. I was like, what's up, USC, UCLA? And everyone's like, yeah! But it just sounded like I was shouting at you on TV when you weren't there. And Tig's special, Tig's stand-up was so much better than mine that I was like, fuck. That was a big lesson I learned after that. Dude, I'm the worst at pandering. Like, I've tried sometimes to just take the easy route, route out and pandered and totally screwed it up. Oh. One time I was in Winnipeg, and they, the, that they lost their hockey team, and it was down in Atlanta. So the whole week I was opening with, I think it sucks you guys don't have your hockey team, and, you know, like, you guys deserve it. And they're just so polite, they let me do it. And then, like, the fourth night in, one of the waitresses was like, you know, we got the team back last year. And I'm like, no, I didn't fucking know that. Like, would have been good information out, like, two days ago, but it makes sense because I saw an outfitting store, and I thought you guys were just, like, having a hard time letting it go, coming up with new logos and this merchandise. <laughs> and then another time, I did the same exact thing, but for, uh, uh, I was in Milwaukee, and I kept talking about this one player that they made a trade for, and LeBron James was involved and all this stuff. And then I realized the player I was talking about played on the Minnesota Timberwolves, not the Bucks. I'm like, well, that would make sense why everyone thinks I'm an idiot all week long. That's okay. I did an entire round of pitches explaining uh, homeless people. Like, what I meant is, like, homeless people, like, like people down on their luck. Like, not the, not the best people. Calling them salt <laughs> of the earth. I thought the phrase salt of the earth meant, like, you're at the lowest you can be. <laughs> And like nine pitches in, Brian fucking Volkweiss goes, this is before you had Google on your phone. He goes, uh, I, th- I think you're misusing the term salt of the earth. I was like, Brian, this whole pitch hinges on the salt of the earth. And he was like, yeah, no, I think it means good people. And I go, fuck face. When were you going to tell me that? Like, I just have been. God, this is. Uh, this now I'm buzzed. I do not know how I'm going to yeah, do this fucking. Uh, this. Uh. Speaking of homeless people, what about that park we walked through in Utah? Oh, Dan Cummins is moving tickets. Dan he's Cummins. He's starting is, to, and it's all yeah. podcast. God, God bless the podcasts. That's where I love people in our business support journeyman comic. Like comics who are like, I just do stand-up. Maybe I do a podcast. I'm not famous. I just really work hard at my craft. Like everyone, those are your favorite people to watch in the clubs where you're like, like Brody Stevens. They're like, fuck, Brody's up. And everyone runs to go sees him. Uh, um... Bert Kreischer and so <laughs> but like but uh, I did a podcast with Dan Cummins in uh, Utah he's Heard got a it. great podcast you know I've talked about it it's called uh, it's called uh, what is it called Time Suck uh, time, time Suck I was gonna call it Secret Time <laughs> that's that's yeah. your next that's podcast my spe- that's my yeah. special so um, and we did a podcast in a park and two cops walked us up to us in the park and they were like hey uh, you might want to put your shoes on and I was like because well, I had flip flops on and I was like why and they're like this is not the park you want to take your shoes off in. And then I called Dave, and I was like, where are you eating? And he's like, oh, I'm eating at Burger Time or whatever. And he was like, you want to meet us? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, drive. Do not walk through that fucking park. <laughs> I was like, I'm in the middle of that fucking park right now. Dude, there is literally, I'm not exaggerating when I say, 200 easily homeless people in easily. this small park. And they were just all sprout about, like bodies, just laying and sleeping and congregating. And... 
I had experienced it like an hour before he did, where the reason why I chose that bar is because I go, oh, there's a nice little park on my map here. I go, I could take a nice little jaunt through a park on my way to get lunch. And I had my headphones in listening to the Miami Heat lose a playoff game. And I'm walking and I'm so into the game. And I'm about halfway through the park before I like zapped out of like, you know, like my, my headphones. I look around and I go, oh shit, this looks like a very dangerous park. <laughs> like, you know? And then I was honestly worried about getting out. Like, yeah. It was that, it was seriously that. And then Bert calls me and I'm like, hey, if you walk, don't go to the park. It's really stabby. And they'd already spent an hour recording a podcast. <laughs> and Dan has horrible flexibility. So he couldn't sit crisscross applesauce. <laughs> He had to like lay like Cleopatra. <laughs> um, I, okay, I think what we should do now is take questions from the audience. We have a live mic out there. Does anyone have any questions that we could answer for you? But anything, life, I'm sure. Beer. I do meet and greets. I know how everyone has a story they want to tell me or a question. Hi. Hi. I'm Maddie. Hi, Maddie. Nice to meet. Well, nice yeah, to I know see you. Yeah. You know you, you get me. Yeah. Um, I'm currently like I'm a pretty new comic. I've only been doing it about a year and a half, and I was kind of wondering. There's obviously everybody has a different pathway through this or journey, and um, what is usually the natural progression? Is it to go on the road after you've been doing mics for a while, or is it like developing a podcast? What would you what do you, all three of you think, really? Well, let's go. We'll start. We'll go. We'll go. Ryan, Dave, me. I feel like podcasting is something that you can develop as you're doing stand-up. I think, mm. but with repetition, become you get more comfortable with it, and uh, I feel like you can get better and better as time goes on. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you have to wait till you're good at stand-up to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a different skill set in, in that fact, as you're almost a broadcaster. Uh, uh, comedy. I started out in Cleveland. So when I had to start, I had to go on the road. There was no other opportunities. Whereas here in Los Angeles, there's a million different places to get up and uh, do open mics to try new stuff. And yeah, they're miserable. They make you want to kill yourself. But I mean, you got to do them. Uh, and uh, there's, you don't really have to leave the area as so much yeah. as to build stuff. But uh, if you really want to flex your legs, you do at some point need to get on the road to get the confidence behind your minutes to turn them into a longer story. I agree with what Ryan said, but uh, not to just repeat the same stuff he said, but to add to it. Um, you have a unique situation because you started out and are coming up in Los Angeles, which is very different from you know coming up somewhere else where we all did. Uh, so you have an opportunity to get on a lot of mics out here and get on a lot of quality shows. But more importantly, you have an opportunity to watch and be around good comedians and good comics and good um, shows. So I was very lucky. When I came up, I was in South Florida, and there was three improvs there at the time. So even if I wasn't booked, I could go hang out and watch. I mean, I remember seeing Bill Burr before anyone even knew who Bill Burr was and just being like, I knew right away. I'm like, that guy's amazing. Like, and when you see that as opposed to coming up in a small town that only has a B room, like you start to gravitate towards those, those types of things. So. I would say getting on stage is important, but equally as important is just going out and hanging out at the good clubs and watching good stand-up live, not on TV. Mm-hmm. That, is a, that, that, that is a really interesting point, is getting to see amazing comedy mm-hmm. is so important to doing comedy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I, I just moved to New York when I started. I didn't even know you could do the road. I think you can get lost in LA. Like you can lo- get lost in having a job. and I, The road for me is... I just had this conversation yesterday with someone 
the road for me has been my savior. Like it's taught me to, how to write on the road, how to write in the moment, how to write a joke quickly. And now in a weird way, I almost have like a weird thing. Like I don't like doing spots in the city because it's such a showcase town now. Comedy's blown up so big that like any night you go somewhere, it's like, like I was at, an, I was at the improv the other night and Jim Jeffries was losing out to selling tickets to burn Rogan across this, like two blocks away. Like it's just so many big fucking names were in the city that everyone's showing up to the show. So you've got to deliver your A stuff. And so, you, I mean, I don't know where anyone writes, but I write on the road. And then I bring it back to L.A. and I like, I like fine-tune it and I find out if it's really funny. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when you have fans, they'll let you get away with shit. Mm-hmm. And then you bring it back. I did this joke about throwing my nephew off a dock. <laughs> that, well, it's, it's, it's not that funny. And so <laughs> it's, it's a lot of, like, the shit that I think my fans would like. And I did it in... Uh, some room in Richie Richie's room in uh, Silver Lake. Oh, El Cid or something. El like that Cid. Or something. Yeah. It's all hipsters. No one knows yeah. who the fuck I am. And my good jokes worked. I tried this joke, and it flatlined. I was like, "That's why you come back to L.A." <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think it's a mix of all. Yeah. But podcasting. If you do a solo podcast, yeah. it can help you find your voice very quickly. Also. Oh, cool. Cool. But that was a great question. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Anyone else have a question? Oh, here we go. Pass it around. Pass it around. Yeah, yeah, you have the mic in your hand. What's up, guys? I'm Eddie. Uh, My question is, now that we're all getting a little older, what do you do to cure your hangover? Cure a hangover? You don't. Oh, I, uh, I, I, if I know I'm going drinking, I prepare like I'm going into a heavyweight fight. I don't play around because uh, even even with all the preparation that I do, I know I'm not going to feel normal for the that next day. I drink a ton of water. I go to the gym. I buy three coconut waters, one before I go drinking, one for after I go drinking, before I go to bed, one to chug immediately in the morning. Yeah. I don't play. When I was in college, I used to put two Tylenol and a red Gatorade on my nightstand. And when I woke up, you know, to take a leak in the morning, you'd pop those and you'd chug the Gatorade. And I'd at least have a little base to cure my hangover. And then, you know, that's because I drank so much back then, you know. And then I hit this point in life where I didn't really, you know, you don't really drink that. Well, you drink, but you don't get, like, hammered like that. But now, because of my age, I'm back to the point in life where if I'm drinking at all, I put two Tylenol and a red Gatorade next to my bed again. I've come full circle. <laughs> I'm going to have a little bit of a different answer. <laughs> yeah. Bert goes, Dave, let's get some Bloody Marys before we get on a plane. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> Dave and I were stuck in the Salt Lake City airport <laughs> so long that we blacked out, came to, and then got on our flight. Wait, what did I accidentally drink? A gin and tonic or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah gin and tonic. And I was like, these aren't sodas. This isn't vodka. And Dave's already downed his. He's like, should we get new ones? I go, I think we're no, giving them back. The, bar, the bartender gave us the wrong thing. I felt bad for him. So that's not a big deal, dude. I'll drink it. And then, like, we were waiting for the plane. The plane, they deplaned us. And when they deplaned us, I look at Bert and I go, I think that tonic was a bad idea. It doesn't feel good on my tummy. Oh, my, my hangovers have gotten uh, monumental lately. Um, because and it's only because of my Sundays. My Sundays get away from me, and I and I can't like because you get you go. I want that early flex. I want to see the family. So you maybe have a couple cocktails before you take off, and maybe you have a couple cocktails on the plane, and you show up fine. But you what you don't realize if you have that you have this base buzz. So then when everyone shows up at your house at three o'clock and you have a cocktail, you are drinking on the tail end of that night 
before because you're not sleeping the night before. No, you're getting a no. car service in Huntsville, Alabama, driving all the way to Nashville, drinking in the car service because you just got to stay off stage at midnight. So my cure has been Monday morning when you wake up, call it a day, take a Xanax, go right back to bed. <laughs> go right back to bed. <laughs> Sleep all day. Wake up for pickup for your kids. Pick them up. Invite friends over Monday night. This was great in like in the fall when Monday night football is. And then if you have a couple drinks Monday night, that Xanax kicks back in, you go to sleep, and you wake up fine when Tuesday morning. So you're basically losing two days. Uh, that's that's my my theory. Probably not the answer you wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. Sir, I thought you had a walking oh. stick. That's the mic. <laughs> Maybe one day. But um, what's up, guys? Uh, moved to L.A. about eight months ago from the Bay Area. Been doing stand-up for like six years. Got to the road last year. Really fun. Uh, what do you guys think your most memorable road experiences have been? Oh, shit. By the way, I'm going to opt out of this because I have nine on the tip of my tongue yeah. that are like just fucking insanity. Yeah. You got to realize, you know, we're in a business where drugs are totally like no one gives a shit and like and the crazier the story all anyone starts doing is amping it up because they want the story to tell on stage but well I mean an abbreviated version uh, to cover two of us is Bert and I watched a dude throw another dude through a storefront window in Marco Island one time after a show and I was vining it yeah these these two bros got in a fight and we're like, hey, let's hang out and watch this. So we're kind of, and it was a ton of people out there. So it was like an angry mob kind of like running away from the scene of the crime situation. And these guys were fighting and we're like, ah, they're, they're just like bro fighting. They're not fighting for real. No one's going to really get hurt. And then a dude went through a window of a retail shop. And we're like, oh, shit just escalated quick. Yeah, this is why I missed the Miami Improv is that in the Miami Improv, you would have stories like this. Every week you'd walk away with one story where yeah. you're like, Bro, like probably the craziest thing that ever happened to me was uh, gangbangers <laughs> in the front row. Uh, what, uh, what's what's uh, Forrest's ex-girlfriend's name? Maria. <laughs> Wait, Mar- the, the comic? Yeah. Lisa. Lisa. Lisa, Lisa. Lisa Correa. Lisa Correa is hosting. This guy that taught improv classes is featuring, and they are heckling, and they won't kick him out because they're not sure if they have firearms on them or not. Yeah. And so Lisa comes off crying. The middle comes off with his combed over hair, flatted, matted on his head. And I go out and I do an old, by the way, I, I don't mean to say it like this, but it's an old Dave Attell trick. If he was get, Dave Attell ever got heckled, he asked you a question that he already had the answer to. So he'd say, uh, so how do you please your woman? Well, what I do is I put my lips around her entirely and just go, ho! Like, he'd, he'd, he'd ask you, he'd set up his punch and ask you his, his setup, and then he'd deliver the punchline. And I watched him do it one time. I was like, this is fucking genius. If I ever get in trouble, I'm going to do this. So I did that to these guys for like 30 minutes. I set up my all very bro shit that these guys are into. And I'd set it up and then I'd punch it. And they loved that they got to interact. But then they loved that I had a better joke than them. Of course I did. I've been working on it. They're trying to think of it on the fly. And then halfway through, I look over to the left. And by the way, this is when Joel decided to leave Miami and come to LA and work at Levity and get a bigger grasp of the business. And he's in a meeting with everyone that owns the improvs and me. It's a day I'm coming over to Levity. And he goes, Bert, how was Miami? And I go, it was great. And I tell him this story. And I said, uh, and Miami had a reputation for being a horrible club. I go, in the middle of 32 minutes, I look over to the left, I go to deliver a joke, and one of the guys gets on stage. He goes, yeah, 
there's a real motherfucker right here. You know, real motherfuckers getting the 305? And he drops his pants to his knee and shows his dick. And it is fucking big. <laughs> it is big. As Bernie Mac would say, he whipped it out and the whole lights place went dark. Like, I think I fucked Bernie Mac's joke <laughs> up. <laughs> Nailed it. But I go, hey, man. He goes, show your shit, son. And I was like, man, I'm going to opt out. Not, <laughs> now that I know what you're holding, I'm going to pass. And I go, you might want to. They're calling the cops. He pulls his pants up. Good looking out. Leaves. I go, how do you follow that? And then his other gangbanger friend gets on with dreadlocks, light skin, face tattoo. He pulls his pants down. He goes, show your shit, son. His is bigger than the first guy's and looks like a white guy. It's, it's light skinned. And I'm like, I'm definitely not showing it now. I go, you might want to meet up with Ray. That was his friend's name. I go, he's, they're definitely calling the cops. I swear to God on my children, a hairless albino is sitting with them. Yeah. And I go, the only person's dick I wanted to see was yours, sir. He slowly gets up out of his chair, and the place is going nuts like Thunderdome. Like, oh! Gets on stage, pulls his pants down, and it is a huge, bald, gray cock that looks like a lighthouse in the fog. <laughs> They're flipping over tables, and I go, that's my show, and I drop the mic. That is probably the craziest thing that's ever Dude. happened to me, hands down, no the, questions asked. I know, I know you guys all, have, uh, you know, we can all attest to this. The, the Miami improv, since we're on the subject, was such... Beautiful chaos that oh, place. Dude, it was the it only was, comedy club of any improv that it would say shows at eight and starts at nine thirty. Yep. I was the only club. Was, everything uh, starts on time. Every manager of every comedy <laughs> club has some sort of weird mental deficiency. Where like, if we don't start on time, the world will fall apart. But that club's like, nah, man. Last shows at two in the morning. I, I was, I was, I was the house MC there for a long time, and then you know I started featuring like the West Palm Four Ladder. And so it's all I knew forever. And then I started going on the road, and it would be like an 8 o'clock show, and they'd be starting at 8 o'clock. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, you know, it was like terrifying to me. I, worked, I, I, I got worked. out of there one time at 4 a.m. Yeah. Oh, 4 a.m. Yeah. 4 a.m. You'd get out at 4 a.m., and there would be thunderstorms like crazy. Yeah. And everyone would be just sitting, waiting to leave, going like, the lightning's pretty bad. Because we, we had three shows before the economy hit the shit in 2008. There used to be three shows on Saturdays. So, like, the last one wasn't supposed to start till midnight, and we had Paul Mooney one weekend. And so he'd go long every weekend or every show. So the last show, we didn't start it till, like, 1, and then he literally did about an hour 45 set. So 4 a.m., I'm up on stage going, hey, everyone, drive home safe. Good night. And that was it. Wrap the show. That club was – I remember I worked there with Steve Trevino. I would co-headline with Steve. And I had to go last, and there was a ruckus in the room. Was it Greg and, Wilson? Are you confused? It might have been Greg Wilson. Yeah. He's more angular, though. And I get off stage, and I was like, what happened? And they're like, oh, someone got stabbed. <laughs> and you're like, oh, cool. And I remember Steve, I walked out to Steve, and I was like, hey, did you hear what happened in the showroom? And Steve was talking to this bald guy. And I swear to you, all my children, Steve goes, Bert, this is Pitbull. Pitbull, this is Bert. And I was like, oh, hey. I was like, Interesting name, and I just walked away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, loser. I never heard of Pitbull. Man. The first time I ever met Tom Segura was at the West Palm Improv, and Ricky Williams' sister and one of the members of De La Soul was just hanging out with Tommy Davidson in the lot in the green room. And Tom Segura's like, you know who that guy is? And I was like, uh, oh, yeah, it was in that group, Tribe Called Quest. He's like, no, you're so white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Miami Improv was a real... I remember I went fishing with Paul and or with Ron uh, or Paul, Paul Castronova. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Ralphie went fishing and we caught a ton of Spanish uh, mackerel. Is it Spanish banana mackerel or kind of racist? But sure. What, what, what is it? What's the Spanish one? We caught. Are you leaving, Aaron? No. Just going to the bathroom. Okay. All right. We'll wait to wrap it up. And so, 
And so we bought a, we caught a ton of, I want to say it was Spanish mackerel, like a ton. And uh, they go, bring it into the Miami Improv. They'll cook it up for you. And yeah, that'll be your dinner. So I bring in like. The chef's name was Ceviche. That's when you know you're like a chef. Wow. When you have a name like Ceviche, oh. you're a good chef. And so I brought it in and I said, I had like five fish. And I bring it in. And I go, hey guys, this is for dinner tonight. So I come out. And they send me a burger. And I go, hey, what happened to the fish? And he goes, oh, we served it to the customers. And I was like, hey, well, I wanted that fish. And they're like, oh, we thought you were giving it to us to cook. <laughs> for the fa- and I go, no, I want it. And he goes, it's shit fish. You didn't want it. So yeah, it, was a, it was a great place. All right, one more question one more before question. we start to wrap it up. Do you have a question? I was just holding it. Okay. Uh, but Anyone get- else? Yes, sir. We have two more. Two more, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Question just for Bert specifically. Do you have any regrets for things that you like reveal on your podcast? I know you get so open yeah. and honest. Great kind of question. Ooh, like, yeah. for, for example, thank you for directing that only to Bert, by the yeah, way. I, I, I live in Studio City. I know exactly where you live just because <laughs> you fucking say it. But. Pete, security, Pete. <laughs> Keep an yeah. eye on this guy. <laughs> Dude, there were two guys doing uh, road work in front of my house yesterday. Me and my wife got in the car to go to a meeting. And I get in the car, and the guy comes up and taps on my hood, and he goes, the machine. I was like, I was like you know right where I live. Like, you saw me come out of my house. My UPS guy dropped off my package, hits the doorbell, and I was like, oh, thanks. And he was like, so this is where you live, huh? Like, I don't know. I, yes, I have a lot of regrets. Yeah, I don't. I, I should not. I, I, you, do, you don't know what you're saying. Like, you, like, that you don't know what you're saying out loud to people, and then... And then you say stuff like uh, there was a guy that sent a, a letter to Leanne and he was like, just so you know, I know exactly where you guys live. And, and Leanne was like, hey, man, that's kind of creepy. There was a guy that released me, Ari Shafir and someone else's phone numbers online uh, last week. Oh, my God. And released them and my phone blew up. And I was like, I think I've given my phone out enough. I look at it this way. I don't, I don't think my fans are fucking psycho. Like, I think they are out there, but I think my fans are, like, pretty respectful, and they're like, shit, man, he t-. Like, Stanhope's. Like, Stanhope's never been killed. He gives you exact address. <laughs> like, you can find out where Tom lives, you know? There's no only way- so many places in Malibu. And so... <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, uh, I, I do regret a lot. I regret sharing names first and last. I do that all the time. I do that all the time. You do uh, that a lot. I do that a lot. I can't help it. I just, I think that way. And I, do, I, forget I'm tell, I forget I'm telling people stuff. Even in a book that has to go through an editing process, oh. you're still like, no, that's cool. Dude, I gave out Jenny Powers' name. I right did now. it just then. I just did yeah. it then. But I said Jenny still Powers. Doing it. Still in doing my it. book, I wrote her name. I wrote my buddy Jeff Hartley's name in the book. And I'm not talking kindly of them. Like, I mean, Jeff a little bit, but Jenny not at all. <laughs> and and she just texted me and she's like, I heard I got a shout out on your book. And then immediately I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then I was like, not that bad. And then she wrote back, are you fucking shitting me? You called me a whore. And I was like, and then I called my buddy uh, who I won't say his name because uh, it's super easy to find him. <laughs> uh, and I was like, hey, man. And then he was like, oh, come on. It was fucking high school. We were all slutty. Like, whatever. Yeah, I'd have a lot of regrets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, by the way, uh, and it's the regrets I don't know about that I care the most about. John Heffern came up to me the other day and he goes, stop telling people where you keep your gun. Because I, cause I, like, I did a fucking thing of, in, of my bed, in my bed. Like, I was like, what's in my bedside counter? Like, and it's my gun. 
and Heffern's like, never tell anyone where your gun is. You never tell anyone where your gun is. You keep your gun unlocked, so now I have to keep my gun in a place. I don't remember where it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I regret a lot. Uh, the, the flip side of that, though, is uh, we were in the airport when we were in that delay in Salt Lake. So many people were like, you know, hey, I recognize, you know, or like, hey, what's up? Bert's like, hey, hey, you know, whatever. And then I go, Bert, what percentage of these people that you think recognize you or do you think are just being nice? And your a, head go, and Bert goes, 70%. <laughs> I, there are a lot of people that just smile towards me. And I go, hey, what's up? And shake their hand. Yeah, you're like, you want an autograph? Like, yeah. yeah. That's a high percentage. Yeah, yeah. That's a high percentage. You go to a Dodgers game with me, I get recognized 150 times total, probably 10 times real. Yeah. They're like cheering for the team, and you're like, all right, I'll do the machine story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm horrible about that. Uh, we had one more question from the blue. I need the blue Gundo shirt. Yeah, I got you, man. Hey, guys. Um, I'm a rogue comic, and I was wondering, what is the best merch idea you've ever seen and the worst merch idea you've ever seen after a show? Worst merch idea I've seen ever show, ever, 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 ever. This fucking idiot had on a wedding ring replacement <laughs> bottle opener. Yeah, I'll punch you in the face. By the way, so there's another comic. David come up with this wedding ring replacement. Like replacement bottle opener. You'd take off your wedding ring for this bottle opener that you'd then change out for your wedding ring, and then that would be your bottle opener. And he was going to sell them on the road. But another comic thought it was a brilliant idea and pitched it to me. And I thought it was a horrible idea. And independently, I pitched it to Dave, telling him what a bad idea it was. And we were in Marco Island, and Dave's <laughs> like, you know that's my merch. <laughs> and I went, what? And he goes, yeah, I sell rings. Mm -hmm. And Dave's pitch was, why have a wedding ring when you can buy a $5 ring from me that'll open your beer bottles. $10. I sold the fuck out of I was like, yeah, why would I wear the thing that my wife gave to me on the day we committed our lives to each other? Because Dave's had a really funny joke about water polo. That's, I said that to Dave. I was trying to remember the story, though. What, that, that guy was like trying to, it was like stealing the idea or something. And you were doing a podcast with Heffron or something. That was it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't remember how that went. That guy also made, was it Richie? <laughs> anyway, it was Richie. <laughs> Might have, I don't know. We'll have to sort this out off I've air. seen a lot of bad, I've, I'll tell you what, the worst merch thing I've ever seen, have, doesn't maybe doesn't happen as much now, but it did, was Black Comics would make DVDs, but it wasn't DVDs, they just had the packaging for DVD, and they would, it was, a, it was technically a recording of their hour, and they would sell them for five bucks, and you'd, a guy, a guy I remember a guy going like, I got 10 DVDs, I'll sell you all 10 for $20, or you can buy his one for $20, and everyone's like, we're gonna buy 10 DVDs for $20, and then I was like, where did you shoot them? He goes, well, I shot them here, the Cleveland Improv, and you're like, oh, motherfucker. I've had a lot of bad ideas for DVDs well, or da for merch. Dave Yates, the person who asked that question, sells ha ha hot sauce, and he sells the shit out of it. So that might Wait, go. I had that hot that sauce. might go it's in the category. Unbelievable. I got to tell you something. I'm a hot yeah. sauce connoisseur, and I got to tell you, Dave Yates hot sauce, better than Tabasco. I'll say it right now. I'm dead serious. It is amazing. He makes it. There's no nutritional confidence. The FDA, the FDA has not even taken a look at what's inside. Yeah. We don't know how it's made. It'll probably yeah. give you some sort of, you might Instant black diarrhea. out on the left side of your face. But delicious. But the point is, it's delicious. You can put it on your cereal. Davey A. Tot Sauce, a sponsor of the El Segundo Comedy Festival. <laughs> yeah, what is, that would be a great idea to really go out of the box with, with merch. Uh, I got a big one coming down the... Down the tubes, I'll tell you when we wrap up. Really? Yeah. I'm selling cars. Big one. 
Cars. Yeah. <laughs> I'm selling home loans. What am I? Why did I think of that? What am I selling Reverse home mortgages. <laughs> what, wait, yeah. what if I was like after short I, sales after a show? Crash your reverse mortgage. <laughs> what if I came into your city and I was like, all right, guys, thank you. I had a great time. Listen, I yeah. do sell a little bit of merch. I'm also selling a house. <laughs> I've got this is a short sale. <laughs> By the way, we're taking bids right now on my show. It it was sold initially in 2017 for twelve million dollars. It's going for five million. Can I get a one? I've got some term life insurance policies I'll autograph for you after the show. You know, that's not a bad idea. What if you held auctions for goods at your show? By the way, now oh. we're getting so far away from stand-up. Well, Ian Bag came to Miami Improv one time, and we he after the show, he goes, hey, you want to go do something tomorrow? And I go, sure. He goes, all right, pick me up. Adi. And I go, all right. And I go pick him up. We went to the Miami International Airport because they're having a luggage auction. <laughs> and he bought a couple... He bought a, he bought a couple... Uh, just random suitcases of thing, and then he he had him after the shows. Just gave him give shit away to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we did it twice. For our kids, oh, I shouldn't have put something in my mouth. Yeah. The podcast. All right, they got the machine, the the equipment going back there, like they're brewing beers. Right. And you got to get to your thing. So you wrap it up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think he's choking. Yeah, talk real quick. Choke your plug. All right. Before Bert wraps it up, I'll just say thank you to the city of El Segundo for coming out today and watching the podcast. Yeah. Big thanks to a lot of people that support this. Parks and Rec, El Segundo Parks and Rec, Ha Ha Hot Sauce. Uh, a lot of our local sponsors have been awesome. Uh, the Drew and Lee Boyles uh, family of companies, 1-800-MOVE-ME uh, and uh, Hasaway Today. Um, and uh, El Segundo Optometry. Ran, uh, Bart's Barbecue for feeding us today. By the way, we have some Bart's extra up here. If you, want, if you didn't get to try it, yeah, and you want to try it, there's a little extra up here that I haven't touched. The story I was going to tell yeah. b- before to we wrap, wrap up, up. Yeah, was for our silent auction at our kid's school. I put it out to the Birdcast listeners and said, send me whatever you want to send me. I'll, I won't look at it. I'll put it in a box and we'll auction it off at my kid's, at my kid's silent auction. And you will get a Birdcast box of un- unknown what it is. Doug Stanhope sent a 15-inch white dildo on a placard that said blacks only. Oh. <laughs> and it got sent to the most Christian family oh, God. who are friends of ours, but they were like, I would, I'd be interested to see what they sent. There were drugs in it. There was like so much shit, and then they literally dropped the box out of our house like, I th- thank you so much, but no thank you. <laughs> So, but thank you guys for coming out and thank you everyone for listening. This will be the first one, unless Erin has any problems with it, which we will allow her, the caveat of not releasing it, uh, but we will release this one. Next the- year, we're not going to even have the microphones. We'll just sit around and hang out with everybody. We're not going to release <laughs> No, this is, I like this. I feel like it's a, a yearly tradition. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Thank you, Bert, for doing it, buddy. Appreciate the support. Thank you guys for coming out. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.